Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. When God asks a question, he's not asking it because he needs the answer. God asks questions to challenge us. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland, and this is The Leader's Notebook. I'm doing something very different in this series. It's not only different in content, it's different in style. Often, I've done teachings on business or leadership, uh, interviewed some of the leaders of America, and I've been very happy with those. For this series, I really felt motivated to teach brief, hard-hitting teachings on questions that God asks in the Bible. Not questions people ask God, questions God asks in the Bible. I found this study to be extremely provocative, and I hope it will be helpful to you. We began some weeks ago, and if you haven't heard the others, they're archived. I hope you'll get the series and listen. Uh, God says, in Genesis, where are you? In Genesis, he says, what have you done? He says, in Exodus, what have you got in your hand? But this one is a very unique question. It comes in 1 Kings chapter 19. Let me give you the backstory now. The great prophet Elijah has confronted the wicked king Ahab and told him to bring the people of Israel to Mount Carmel and to bring all the false prophets and the priests of Baal. And they have this wonderful confrontation on Mount Carmel. The people assemble, and Elijah prays down fire upon a waterlogged, sin-soaked sacrifice, which is symbolic of Israel. He prays, and God strikes it with fire and burns it up, and then he orders that the false prophets and the priests of Baal be slain. There's a horrible slaughter. The people charge upon them. They kill them all, 850 of them. And then Elijah turns to Ahab, and he says, it's been a three-year drought because I prayed for a drought. I prayed and God sealed up the belly of heaven. It has not rained in Israel for three years. And now Elijah says, I'm going to pray again and the rain will come. And he does indeed pray and the rain comes. And the the cloud is coming filled with rain. And he says, King Ahab, get in your chariot, go up the Jezreel Valley all the way to Samaria, and you better run and do it. Make the horses gallop the whole way. Because if this rain comes, it'll flood the Jezreel Valley, the chariot wheels will get stuck, and you'll be stuck in the mud. And so Ahab jumps in his chariot, they start up through the middle of the Jezreel Valley, and Elijah, the old prophet, tucks his robe up and runs up through the valley of Jezreel, and this old man, under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, outruns the king's chariot. Now, I just want you to pause for a moment and think. He has prayed down fire. He has confronted a corrupt culture. He has wrought a great victory. He has now ended a drought through supernatural prayer, and he has outrun a chariot. Five extraordinary realities. Then, 
Ahab's wife, the wicked queen Jezebel, sends a message to Elijah and says, I know what you've done. And no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do everything it takes to make sure that all that happened to my prophets happens to you. And you can count on it. You're as a dead man from this moment on. And Elijah is overcome with fear and self-pity. He leaves and goes into the mountains and there goes into a cave. And he is overwhelmed with fear and self-pity. How, how human, how like us. He has just been through one of the most supernatural periods of his life. He has just seen victories over sin and evil and nature that very few prophets in their whole lives would see. And he's seen them back to back to back to back to back. Five supernatural miracles. He's seen them. And now because of a telegram from one wicked queen, he goes into depression and fear and self-pity. Sometimes we, we just so easily and so quickly forget all that God has done. I urge you, in a time of crisis or fear or the impending distress of some kind, pause and ask yourself, remind yourself, process again, go through all your memories of things that you received, of prayers that were answered, of ways that God showed up supernaturally. Begin to rehearse God's goodness and God's power and God's grace and let faith arise. Don't just go in the cave of loneliness and fear and self-pity and wallow in a pity party. So, Now there comes, the angel of the Lord comes to him, to Elijah, the great prophet, and says to him, you need to eat. You've got a long journey, and I need you to eat, and I need you to get prepared. God says to us, get ready, get prepared, and then eat and be prepared for what I want to do. Now comes the question of God. God says, what dost thou hear? What are you doing here? Listen to Elijah's answer in 1 Kings 19.10. Elijah answers, the prophet answers God. God says, what are you doing here? And he says, he doesn't answer him. He responds, but it's not an answer. God says, what are you doing here? And here's what Elijah says. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down all thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. How, uh, how like us that is. God says, what are you doing here? When obviously what he's doing is sulking and being afraid and wallowing in self-pity. And the Holy Spirit comes and probes us when we're wallowing in self-pity, when we're living in fear, when we're basically, by the way, we act in the cave of, of fear, we're denying the supernatural victory power of God. When that happens and God probes us, the Holy Spirit comes and says, what are you doing here? We don't answer straightforward. Oh, Lord, I'm sulking. I just want you to know I'm laying here feeling sorry for myself. We don't. 
We come up with all kinds of defenses. Elijah starts saying, I've done this and I've done that and the people are opposed to you and I'm the only one left. Now listen to what God says. Go forth, go out and stand on the mountain. And this is a very famous passage of scripture. God causes this horrific hurricane to come so strong that it, it, it rips the cliffs off of the mountains and they break in pieces. And then there comes an earthquake and then there comes fire. But God was in none of those things. God was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. And then there comes a still small voice. 1 Kings Chapter 19 and verse 12, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. So God says to him, what are you doing here? Elijah kind of dodges the question. And God says, what you need to be doing here is what? hearing my voice. So the first point is this, when you are in a crisis, when you're in loneliness, when you're feeling self-pity, when you feel like everybody's against you, the first thing you need to do is hear the still small voice of God, hear God's voice. But then God asks him the same question. Again, this next passage is absolutely remarkable. And God says to him in the still small voice, what are you doing here, Elijah? And listen to what Elijah responds. It's exactly the same words. He quotes himself. And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenants, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. Sometimes we simply won't find the victory when God offers it. It's remarkable to me, this great prophet walking in the, in the power of the supernatural. God says, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, I'm the only, I'm the only faithful servant in Israel. Everybody else has been killed and now they're coming after me. Your people have turned against you. And oh God, I'm just, I'm just the only one left alive. It's a voice of self-pity and whining. So God says, what you need to do is hear the still small voice. Hear me. And Elijah does hear him. God asks the question again, and Elijah gives the same pathetic answer. This time, God tells him what to do. He tells him exactly where to go, what to do, who to anoint king. He gives him the plan for victory. So what does it mean? Sometimes when we're in a season of distress and depression and fear and self-pity, God calls us to just hear his voice. Sometimes we're in the same kind of crisis. God wants us to hear God's plan. Sometimes the issue is just hearing God's voice. Sometimes it's hearing God's plan. There is a kind of an interesting little passage that's tucked into God's answer when he reveals the plan to go and find Jehu and anoint him as the king and that there would be this great victory and all that. But then uh, it's interesting that he said that God says to Elijah, I also want you to know I have 7,000 in Israel 
who have never bowed the knee to Baal and who've never kissed one of the gods. In other words, he kind of rebukes him. You're not the only game in town, Elijah. I have 7,000 other prophets who love me and who have been faithful. Yes, you've been faithful, but you're not the only person in Israel that's faithful. Yes, you've been obedient, but you're not my only obedient servant. Yes, they want to kill you, but they always want to kill my prophets. And I have 7,001. When we're facing seasons of distress, anxiety, fear, and you feel that cloud of loneliness and depression and self-pity closing in on you, pause. First, seek the voice of God. Then, seek the plan of God. Come out of that cave. God is saying to you, what are you doing in there, sulking and feeling sorry for yourself? Come out and hear my voice and then let me reveal my plan. I hope you've enjoyed this. Until we meet again, this has been The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.